Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode nine. And this week, we're going to be doing the first of a two-part series on middle school. So sit back, relax, pull out your yearbook photos, maybe play a game of MASH, and let's get started. When I think about elementary school and some parts of high school, it's almost like I am watching a rerun of a favorite show starring me. It's like I know that I did those things. I can remember all the situations, but it also feels like I have a real disconnect with the main character. It doesn't feel like me. And I think that that's a normal feeling. I think it's just how we feel as we age and our memories become a little bit fuzzy. But for some reason, middle school, three years, sixth through eighth grade, those memories are crystal clear. I remember it all. (laughs) And I think it's because that season of our lives is just super defining. We are figuring things out about our bodies. We are becoming aware of things we had never noticed before. Our hormones are crazy. A lot of lessons that we're learning are hard and we're having to figure out a lot of things on our own. We don't have really anybody to ask because the things that we need to ask about are embarrassing or we think they are. And it's just All in all, one of those universal things that we all have had to struggle through and we've all emerged somehow on the other side, but not completely unscathed. I mean, there are issues that I deal with now that started in middle school. So as I was sitting down to put this episode together, I realized that there's no way I'm going to be able to get all of the middle school experience and all the things I want to talk about into one episode. So this first episode on middle school is going to be mainly my memories, which I think a lot of them are universal. I think there's a lot of things that you'll listen to and go, oh, I remember that. But the second part that we're going to release next Monday, so middle school part two, is going to be a lot of your memories. So I asked a lot of people on Facebook, Instagram, and friends, I want to know what they remember about middle school. I've also asked parents who have middle school age kids right now to share with me some of the challenges they're facing because, guys, it's a lot harder than it was in the early 90s. Can you imagine going through middle school with social media? Because I cannot. I can't even. But I want to talk about it. So here we go. So as I mentioned in previous episodes, I did not start going to public school or any kind of school really until sixth grade when my parents enrolled me in school in our hometown. And in hindsight, sixth grade is probably the worst time (laughs) to decide to put your kid into a school setting for the first time. And to top it off, I also didn't start on the very first day of school. If I remember right, it was in like the middle of October. So everybody was kind of halfway through the semester. Friendships were already kind of set in stone. Well, I mean, kids were settled into their relationships. They were in the school rhythm. They knew how to get from class to class. I didn't know anything. So remember I had gone from being homeschooled in a motorhome to suddenly it's not even just one teacher in a classroom. It's like six or seven classes a day because sixth grade started the like pre-high school routine of lockers and changing classes and lunch periods instead of everybody going all together. I just did not know what to expect and I was completely stunned. I remember that first day I got there a little late because they had to do a lot of paperwork and talk to my parents and all that stuff. And my parents kind of, you know, they told me goodbye and they took me to the first class that I was joining. And it was the first class of the day, but it was kind of halfway through. And it was science with Miss Petty John. 
And I remember opening the door and just seeing 15 to 20 faces just staring at me like, who is this person? And I just wanted to go through the floor. I was so nervous. I didn't know anybody. And I just remember sitting in the desk and thinking, when will 2.50 get here? Because we got out at 2.50. I remember that. Because I just wanted to go home. I did not know what we were doing. And then like the next period, we had to go to our lockers. My parents had given me a combination lock. And let me tell you guys, that combination lock was one of the biggest stressors of, of middle school for me. I can remember that year, like having multiple come aparts to myself because I could not get my combination to open my locker. I don't know if I was just panicked and was making it worse, but I would always like dial past where I was supposed to go. And I knew I had a three minute window to get everything done. And it got so bad that finally I went and got myself a key lock. So I carried a little key because I just couldn't handle the stress of the combination lock. It stressed me out that much. Honestly, I felt a lot like Lindsay Lohan's character in Mean Girls, where she goes from homeschool to high school, but you know where she doesn't understand that she has to ask to use the restroom? I didn't know that either. I can remember, thankfully, I saw somebody do it before I just got up and went to the restroom and got in trouble, but somebody asked for a hall pass, and I was like, a hall pass? It just, it blew my mind that you had to ask someone to use the restroom. Like, I feel like that's like a human right (laughs) to be able to use the restroom when you want to use it or when you need to. But anyway, let's talk about P.E. because I think P.E. was probably the first traumatic moment of middle school for me on that day, especially. So this is going to sound crazy, but I just never played any organized sports. Again, motorhome. But I knew what basketball was. I knew football, baseball. Like I knew the general. I knew what it was, but I never played them. And I especially had never played volleyball. I'm sure I had seen it in a movie or something, but I didn't know any of the rules. I didn't know how to bump a volleyball or set or serve. I didn't know that people shuffled positions. So the very first day that I'm there, they're in the middle of, I think it was raining, if I remember right. So we're inside the gym. I know we were inside the gym. And they decided that we were going to play volleyball for PE. And so they lined us and they had us, you know, split into two teams. And I, like, I remember every moment of this. I was on the back row standing. I did not know what I was doing. And the kid that served the volleyball, the very first serve, and in hindsight, he probably did this on purpose, but it went straight to me. And what did I do? I caught the ball. I caught it. Now, listen, I think I, I think I knew that you weren't supposed to catch it, but I think it was just such instinct and I panicked and I caught it. And you would have thought that I had slapped a baby the way these children reacted Everyone, it felt like everyone turned and began to scream at me. And I'm talking red-faced, veins bulging out of necks, screaming, calling me names, idiot being like the nicest one. And I wanted to die. I, I didn't know what to do. You know, they were like, You're, you've ruined the game. <laughs> you know? And so then the next time they served the volleyball, it came to me again, and then I missed it. And then once again, they started screaming. This went on for the entire game, at least 20 to 30 minutes of this. And I wanted, by the end of it, the floor to open up and just swallow me. I was just a complete mess. And I don't think I cried. I think I was able to like hold it together, but I know that I just looked like I was, you know, 
shocked. And I was, because I was. I didn't know what to do. This started a paranoia with sports for me that has lasted my entire life. People talk about being afraid of the ball. Yes, I am petrified. Anytime I've put myself in a sports arena type situation, I panic. I can remember being a teacher and we had a workshop where they were throwing like beach balls to people and wanting you to catch it and then talk the whole entire workshop. I didn't hear anything anyone was saying because I was thinking, please, please don't throw that beach ball at me because I'm not going to be able to catch it. But this all started with this sixth grade volleyball game because it was, it was awful. So I just remember coming home that day, a basket case, crying, upset. My parents were trying to calm me down, but I had just convinced myself that their decision to enroll me in school was the worst decision they had ever made. So a few episodes ago, I mentioned that I had a hard time making friends, especially in middle school, but a lot of that was my fault because, let's be honest, I was weird. Most of that, I think, had to do with being pretty sheltered, but I just was really surprised when I entered school to find out that not all parents had the same rules for their kids as my parents did, and that not everybody thought exactly like me. (laughs) I remember being in math class and a girl saying something about her butt, and I remember looking at her in all seriousness and saying, you mean your bottom? And she was like, what? And I was like, we don't say butt, we say bottom. And she just looked at me with a look that I got pretty often over the next couple of months. And I realized pretty quickly that my kind of different was not acceptable (laughs) because I had rules that were pretty strict that I followed in our house. We couldn't say certain things. We didn't watch certain movies. Um, Certain subjects were pretty taboo. And I found out that that's not the case in public school. People talk about everything. And it was kind of a crash course in everything biological (laughs) and everything uh, pop culture, I I realized that I just really didn't know much of anything. And the first thing that I remember really being surprised by were cliques. You know, in elementary school, you're kind of friends with everybody for the most part. And I think, you know, it, it gets less and less as you get up in elementary school. By fourth and fifth grade, I'm sure the cliques are starting to form. But when you hit middle school, it is a real thing. And it, it really depends upon popularity, which clique you end up in. My very first day at school, I had a girl approach me and say that she was new. She was. She was pretty new also. Um, and she was like, we can be friends. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, because one of my biggest worries was that I wasn't going to meet any friends. So this girl kind of started hanging out with me. And then I began to pick up another couple friends. But I do remember a girl coming up to me in class one day and saying, I saw that you're hanging out with so-and-so. And she was like, you don't want to hang out with her. And I was like, why? And she was like, she's weird. And I can remember thinking, that's ridiculous. But I found out soon that that, that was a thing. If you were labeled weird, that was you know just like a death knell for your middle school career. And... Some of the people I hung out with were, in fact, most of them, honestly, were not popular kids, but I just was so grateful that anybody wanted to hang out with me. And to be honest, some of the kids that were labeled weird in middle school ended up being really good friends still. They're still some of my good friends, and I'm really glad I didn't listen to some of those kids telling me not to hang out with them. Um, But there were some that I wish I had listened to some advice, um, particularly like the girl that became friends with me on the first day. She turned out to not be so nice. 
And I was devastated when she told me that she did not want to be my friend. So that's another thing. And middle school, people will tell you to your face that they don't like you for no reason. I sat down in reading class one day and the girl in front of me, who I wasn't, you know, really close friends with, but we were friendly. She turned around and looked at me and this is in seventh grade. And she said, I don't like you anymore. I said, what? And I thought she was joking. And I was like, right. And she was like, no, I don't like you anymore. And I said, why? And she's like, I just decided I don't. And that was all the explanation that there was. But I also had two people that same year write me a letter, these long letters, and tell me why they thought I wasn't cool enough to be their friend. Two of my friends. And then those two friends decided to be best friends. And I had to watch them be best friends. And I had no friends. It is stressful. It is hard. Um, It was a real issue for me keeping friends. And I just felt like I could not do anything right. And I could not get into a group of friends and stay there. That's how I felt. Now, by eighth grade, I felt like this had started to change. And I made really good friends with who is still my best friend from high school, Bridget. We became really good friends um, and stayed friends. And I'm so glad of that. But it was a struggle because I just felt like I was never cool enough. I couldn't quite figure out how to get in with the kids that I wanted to hang out with. Um, I wanted to be popular. I think everybody wants to be popular, but I just couldn't seem to figure out how to do it. So friends are one thing, but mean girls are a whole other ballgame. And there's a whole movie devoted to mean girls. It's called Mean Girls, and I talked about it earlier. And yes, there are mean guys in middle school, and there are bullies in every stage of life. But I really feel like the villain origin story for mean girls is middle school. They just appear. And for me, there were three of them. And I'm sure there were more than three, but in my memory, these three stand out. They were mean girls in middle school, and they were mean all the way through high school. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're mean today. (laughs) I will not tell you their names, but their initials were E, J, and T. And they were like a trifecta of evil. (laughs) They just roamed the hallways. And it wasn't just me that they picked on. They picked on lots of people, but they were specific in their cruelty. They would pinpoint the one thing that maybe you were self-conscious about, the way you walk, the way you sit, the way you breathe, (laughs) the way you talk. It didn't matter. And they would find a way to make fun of you about it. And they would point it out in front of a lot of people. That was, you know, always their goal was mass embarrassment. And for me, the first thing that they pointed out were my shoes. So my parents kept us in cute clothes I and mean, they were fine. I mean, I never had clothes. I never had pants that were long enough, but I don't think anybody over 5'8 did. But as far as name brands went, my parents really were not into that. My mom just didn't really notice that kind of stuff. I mean, she got us nice things. If they were quality, she felt like they were fine. But a lot of my clothes probably came from Kmart, Walmart, you know, uh, Payless shoes. (laughs) We did not visit Foot Locker and things like that. So I can remember being in PE, and I think this was in seventh grade, and T looked at me and she said, your shoes look cheap. Just like that. And she said it very loudly. And so everybody turned to look, you know? And I was like, what? And she said, your shoes look like Gatano shoes from Kmart. Mine cost $70. And even then I was like, well, put a rose on your nose. 
I thought that was ridiculous, but I became suddenly aware of all the shoes around me and how everybody else seemed to have a name brand shoe. They had Nikes, Asics, Adidas, K-Swiss. I had Gitano or Chic, which is even worse because kids pronounce it Chick from Kmart or Walmart. It was terrible. And I remember I went home that day and I was like, mom, I need name brand shoes. And she was like, what? And I was like, I need them now. And it became a fixation. And these girls really just caused me to be obsessed with my appearance. I began to think about myself in ways I had never thought about. You know, I began to notice that I was taller than everybody else. I was larger than everybody else. Not because I really noticed it, but because they pointed it out on a regular basis. In fact, the fat taunts began with these three girls. You know, you're bigger than everybody else. Oh, don't sit down too hard, Amanda. And, you know, and I look back at yearbook pictures and was I chubby? Yes. But I was also 11, 12. <laughs> like, like every girl is going through a growth, growth spurt and changes. But these girls brought out an insecurity in me that I did not have prior to middle school. Now, some of my insecurities were, are deep set and have different origins, but these specific insecurities, E, J, and T, really were able to just solidify. But that's not to say that there were no bright spots to any of my Mean Girl stories. There is one that I want to tell you because it is a glorious story. And the instant karma that happened is, is a feeling that I am still chasing to this day. So we had a chorus concert in seventh grade. And we were singing a song. It was Twist and Shout by the Beatles. It was like one of those, those chorus concerts where they do like decades of music. And I got paired on a riser with E, one of the mean girls. And we were supposed to do the twist. And I remember looking at her the day of the performance. She stepped up on the wooden riser with me. And I said, and I don't know why I said it. I guess I was trying to be nice still. And I said, hey, Make sure you don't actually move your feet when you do the twist because these risers are kind of shaky and you could fall. And she looked at me and she said, I'll do what I want. You don't have to tell me how to do anything. You know, she was just her normal, lovely self. And I remember saying, okay. So the concert begins. We get to that song. We start doing the twist. And what happens? The moment that we start doing the twist, E sails off the back of the risers because she did not listen to me. She moved her feet. She fell off. And I mean, like, it, in my mind, it happened in slow motion where she like went backwards going, ah, and she landed on her back. She was not hurt badly, but it did knock the air out of her. So she's laying there going, ah, I have never felt such joy because <laughs> it was just instant, instant karma. It was instant gratification because what I had said, I had just said it happened. And then Jay, her supposed best friend, did not even miss a beat because she had wanted to be on a riser and did not even check on her friend, jumped up on the riser next to me and continued to dance. So listen, bullies can be bullies for a while, but it can't last because I'll guarantee you, like I said, these girls may be mean today, but I would be interested to see how long their tactics worked in the real world. And I venture to say they did not get very far. So I think most of what we go through in middle school, especially the negative stuff, is just a rite of passage, unfortunately. As much as we want to shelter and protect our children's innocence, there are things that they just have to go through. 
and we really can't control it. But one thing I think that we can help as adults, we can help them with and ease the trauma is to point out changes in their body in a loving way before their peers do. Because I'll tell you right now, the kids in their class are not going to point it out in a loving way. And I'm going to give you a case in point. So my mom did not want me to shave my legs until I was 13. And I asked her about this and she was like, well, that's just what my mom did. But guys, listen, I needed to have shaved my legs before I was 13 because I was hairy, but I didn't notice it because it was not something that had ever been mentioned to me. And this is one of those moments that I remember I can, I can fully inhabit my body. It's much like the volleyball story. I was in band. I was wearing a black jumper, like a dress and black flats and no, no tights or socks because that was in style. I was sitting playing the flute and suddenly I heard somebody laughing and I looked and there was a guy named Scott in our class and he said really loudly, man, her legs are hairier than mine. And I looked down in horror and realized for the first, really for the first time that my legs were hairy because nobody had ever mentioned it to me before. No one had ever said your legs are hairy. And I think this is the first time I had worn a dress to school. Here's the thing. I was totally embarrassed because everybody started laughing and looking at my legs. But you have to think of it this way. There was nowhere for me to go. I couldn't like get up and walk out of the class. I couldn't jump in a car and go home. I had to stay the whole day while kids were pointing out my hairy legs and I couldn't hide them. I didn't know what to do. And it was awful. It was probably one of the most traumatic body experiences I have had to this day, even as an adult. It was bad. So I think there are things that we can do. I wish, you know, in hindsight, my mother even would say that she wishes she had, you know, let me shave or had been aware of this. She just didn't notice. But children just don't notice the things about their changing bodies that adults do. They don't notice that their fingernails are dirty. They don't notice that they probably need deodorant when they need it. (laughs) They don't realize that their hair is getting greasy and they probably need to now wash it more than a couple times a week. These are things that our parents and people that love us that are older can point out to us before we have to go and have it pointed out by somebody else. Because part of the trauma of middle school is is changing bodies. Everything is different. And on top of our changing bodies, the hairiness, just in general, um, of everybody. <laughs> and, you know, we have acne. We've got weird wonky teeth are coming in. Everything that we can be insecure about is starting to make an appearance. And so we need people that love us to help us navigate those parts of our lives. And, you know, hormones are another thing. Like We're starting to notice boys. Boys are starting to notice girls. We don't know what to do with those feelings. And I think if you can make your house a safe haven for those discussions, your kids are not embarrassed. There's always going to be some sort of embarrassment because, I mean, they're, they're still kids and you're still parents and nobody's going to want to come to their parents and say, you know, I'm having feelings I don't know what to do about or should I shave my legs? But, you know, girls are starting their periods. It's a whole thing. But I do think that those are ways that we can ease the trauma and the embarrassment and make it just a little bit easier. So, of course, not all of middle school was traumatic. I had a lot of fun too. I remember 
the group of friends that I had in eighth grade got really obsessed with the books by L.J. Smith, The Vampire Diaries. Now, listen, this is not the TV series that came out in the 2000s. This was the original four book series, The Vampire Diaries. And really the only thing in common with the TV show was were the names of the characters, Damon, Stefan, and Elena. We were very into these books. In fact, if I remember right, we each bought a copy of one of the books. So like one person would buy book one and the other would buy book two and so on. And then we would trade them around. Like when one was finished, we'd you know trade the next one. And we really felt like those were real people. And we talked about them at lunch very seriously. I can remember I cried in the last book because a character is resurrected and I was so excited. Um, I also think, if I remember right, there was a whole thing in middle school with books that concerned groups of girls riding horses. I think I rode a horse like twice my entire life, but I really liked this this series of books about girls that hung out together and they ate a lot of smart food, white cheddar popcorn, like they had a deal, obviously, a marketing deal, because they, they ate that popcorn in every single book. Um, she'd be just casually talking about her horse, and she'd be like, as she dipped her hand into smart food white cheddar popcorn, which, of course, would immediately make me want smart food white cheddar popcorn. Um, I wonder if they're going to get tagged in this, because I said their brand three times. <laughs> this this podcast episode is sponsored by Smart Food, White Cheddar Popcorn. That's four times. But I can't remember the name of the books. I think they were like the Saddleback Club or something. Also, I was very into the Babysitter's Club, especially when I was 13 because now I was like the age of the Babysitter's Club. And so I read all of those books. And then there was a song that for some reason, like the biggest song that I can remember, well, I take the fact two songs. There was um, Return to Innocence by Enigma. <laughs> this was like on the top nine at nine at night, but it's the one that was like, hi, oh, hi, oh, hi, oh, hi, oh, uh. it was like an Indian chant set to a beat. And then it had like a pop song with it. And I heard it recently and y'all, it still holds up. It's still pretty good. So, um, the next song, the other song that I really loved was a uh, loser by Beck. So you paid a door. I'm a loser, baby. I was so into that song. I'll put both of those songs on our Resting Church Face podcast playlist. Remember, we do have a playlist on Spotify. So if you just type in Resting Church Face, there's a playlist. So I'll put both of those songs. But I loved those songs. Um, they will forever and always remind me of middle school. Um, TGIF. You guys remember TGIF? That was like a, a big thing. Every Friday night. I think it was like Full House, Family Matters. Was Boy Meets World part of that? I think it was. And then like Step by Step, all of those shows, like you would stay home to watch those shows. That was a really big deal. Um, and then, oh, and like going to the, like the video store. Um, we had Video Hut in, in our, my hometown. We would go to and, and we would rent videos and you get a pizza. And so like it was a big deal because I think we had to get our pizza from Kmart because there was a little Caesars. We didn't have like Pizza Hut or Domino's or anything like that in our town at that time. So Little Caesars was really our only option. But we would get Little Caesars pizza and your parents would like you pick out two VHS tapes. And oh, that was the high life. So there were parts of middle school that were so much fun and very nostalgic. And when I think of them, I think about being happy. But we're going to get into a lot more on the next on part two of our middle school journey. And I can't wait to share with you some of the things that people have said because I have laughed at a lot of the things that I'd forgotten, um, especially like just classroom memories. Um, and then there are some things that I didn't deal with that I think are actually really good to talk about. So please come back next week on Monday for part two.
So I want to tell you about two podcasts this week that I've been listening to. They're very nostalgic. They're really fun to listen to. They go well with this episode. The first one is called Hey Dude, the 90s Called. And it is hosted by Christine Taylor and David Lesher. And of course, they were the stars of Hey Dude on Nickelodeon. They played Melody and Ted. And I loved that show. I thought Melody was just the prettiest girl. I also loved the girl. Um, her name was Brad on the show, and I can't remember her actual name. But they were just so cool. <laughs> and so it's really fun to listen to the, the show and hear them talk about their experiences. But they will interview a lot of 90 stars, sitcom stars, you know, anybody that was on the cover of like Teen Beat. <laughs> um, I think the last episode I listened to, they interviewed Melissa Joan Hart of Clarissa Explains It All and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It was really fun to listen to. So the second podcast that I really like, um, and I've been listening to this one for a while, but it's called How Did We Get Weird with Vanessa Bayer and Jonah Bayer. So Vanessa Bayer was a cast member of Saturday Night Live and then her brother, and they just talk about the different things that they remember, especially from the 90s that they did that, you know, they feel like solidified their weird personalities. But they interview lots of celebrities. Their last episode was with Will Ferrell, and they're talking about (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Um, but they do all kinds of stuff like remember Skechers, manic panic hair dye, um, coffee shop culture, trying to find cool jeans. So, uh, Snoopy snow cone machines. <laughs> so just fun things to listen to. And so I don't think either of these podcasts are, um, graphic language. I don't think that it has bad language. Um, how did, how did we get weird? Maybe a little more risky. So if you have little kids, just be aware of that. But for the most part, these are really fun podcasts to listen to. And I really enjoy them. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this week. And don't forget to come back next Monday for part two of our middle school episode. Thank you also for following and subscribing and telling your friends and for leaving such lovely reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. And I really love the community that we're getting together on Instagram. It's really easy to find us. We're at Resting Church Face. So come on over and join us. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon.